Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. And we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. My guest today is... Kim Swanson, casting director, and she's joining us for the third time. Now, if this is your first time listening, don't go away. Stay tuned, because what she will tell you is absolutely valuable and absolutely critical, crucial for you to hear. And then you can go back and listen to parts one and two at your leisure anytime, 24-7, because all of these interviews are recorded live and then archived, and they're available through Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official URL is rexsykes.com. That's my name. It's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. And they record right there at the uh, interviews blog. You go there, look at the biography page of my guest by their name. And in that uh, biography, there's a link to the player, and that will open up when you click on it. Now, if it says uh, Upcoming, uh, it hasn't happened yet. If it says, or it's recording live, if it says to listen, click the bolded link below, then it means it's already recorded. You click on that, you can listen to it anytime, 24-7. Now, they're also available as podcasts from the iTunes store, which means you can download them to your favorite electronic device, take them with you wherever you go, jogging, running, boating, you name it, and you'll always, always, never again miss an important interview or discussion with professional filmmakers who are making it happen. Because Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you. That's why I connect you up with people like Kim, who give away secrets and suggestions and tips and advice and what to do and what not to do to help you advance your career, to help it be easier and and, and do it quicker and less expensively and to, and to make your projects, get them from idea to screen and beyond. And, uh, and we all do it, and we all give it away absolutely free, and the only thing we ask in exchange is that you share these interviews, share these discussions near and far with all your friends and industry contacts. So reach out right now, listening live or archived, and grab somebody, uh, email them, tweet them, uh, Facebook them, use your favorite social means, social media means to uh, to invite them to join you in listening live or archived. The other thing we ask you to do, besides spreading the word and posting these uh, URLs everywhere, is to uh, Leave comments. Leave comments right there at the player during the show or after the show. It depends on your browser, whether you see it during the show. It's under the chat room or right under the player. Some browsers have to have the player closed down before the chat room become uh, before the uh, before the uh, comment window becomes uh, uh, visible. But uh, do leave comments. And if you're listening archived, leave comments. And uh, and you can tweet live or tweet archive shows. It helps us because what it does is it increases our presence uh, in the search engines. It increases our presence on the Internet. It makes it more likely that other filmmakers 
who, like yourself, enjoy these kinds of programs could find us or stumble upon them or or come across them uh, and be surprised by by the over 310 hours worth of fabulous programming that's right there and available to you right now for free. So that's what we ask for you to do in exchange. Um, Kim has been here three times before. Let me tell you a little b- a bit about Kim. She's um, a member of the of the uh, Casting Society of America, and uh, her first two casting projects won Emmys. Uh, the St. Louis production community took notice of her ability to locate and spot talent. She became the first casting director in Missouri to become a member of the Casting Society of America uh, and one of the few outside of Los Angeles or New York to be accepted as a member. She's been responsible for the uh, international feature film projects, music videos, national television commercials, print advertisements, and having complete completed casting on more than 500 projects. Hanson Entertainment Industries Incorporated currently maintains a database of more than 7,000 in talent and continues to search out new and fresh faces uh, and quickly and efficiently meets clients' needs in providing talent of all types. Uh, She believes it's important to continue to learn and grow, and so she uh, continues to uh, professionally do workshops and and, uh, attend trainings through the CSA, master acting classes and dance classes. Uh, She's been an instrumental part of creating and building the regional casting committee within the um, the CSA to bridge the knowledge and resources of casting directors in New York and Los Angeles markets with their fellow professions in other regions. And so help me welcome uh, Kim Swanson again today. How are you doing, Kim? I'm doing well, Rex. Thanks so much for having me back. It's good to hear your voice. Well, it's good to hear your voice, Ed. It's, and it's great that you're here. I know uh, just moments ago you told me that uh, you're in the midst of a of a heavy day, a, a new casting project, and so I appreciate you uh, um, uh, making time available to talk to listeners and, and to, to pass your information and knowledge along. I, I really do appreciate that. I know how time can be crunched and how difficult that can be, so thank you. Right. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Well, we've covered so many things in the past, uh, um, in, in the last two episodes, and, there's, and I mean, I, I know we could do uh, five, ten more of these, but, but for today, is there anything um, from the last time or anything, any of your thoughts or anything that you'd like to wrap up before we proceed? Or? You know, I can't think of anything offhand. You know, I just, I just, I feel, um, I, when I, whenever we do a phone interview like this, and <clears throat> unfortunately, I can't see the faces of those listening and um, you know, and hear the questions they're wanting to ask, you know, at this moment, you know, I, you know, I would just encourage anyone, everyone who listened to those who said, gosh, I'd like to know more about those areas you talked about. I know we talked about protocol, we talked about headshots, and, you know, as you know, we can only talk about so much, you know, and right. we can only cover so much on a, on a phone versus, you know, when you can visually see something. So, you know, if you're wanting to learn more, I would highly, highly encourage you to go to thecastingfactor.com because that's what that whole program was designed for. And, you know, I just – it was designed specifically so people wouldn't get taken, they wouldn't get scammed, they wouldn't, you know, spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on things they shouldn't be spending money on and still have a very, very successful acting career. And that's been a passion of mine and to, to save a lot of people a lot of heartaches and a lot of aches and pains in their wallets and, <laughs> and um, you know, and learn, you know, the right way out of the gate or – if you've had a bad experience, to not give up on it. If that's your goal, if that's your dream, if that's where your heart is, do it. But just get the knowledge you need. And so that's what that whole program is for, is to help you do that. So, you know, I would encourage you to do more because obviously what we can cover here is not going to be nearly enough to to create a, a career on its own, you know. so Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I, and I concur. <laughs> Go yeah. to thecastingfactory.com and, and get her materials and take a look at them, and, and you'll be glad that you did. You will be glad that you did. Um, so, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, because I moved from Los Angeles to the Midwest. Frankly, I was shocked. Uh, I was used to dealing with uh, SAG franchise agents. Now I was dealing with agents who were not franchised. I was used to getting an agent who sent me to a casting director. Now I was going into agent's office where they were videotaping uh, and saying that they were casting the uh, shows. Um, uh, then on top of that, some of the agents took you know money from me and money from the client, which you know and percentages. Others uh, would say, well, you know what, and I mean, this happened in L.A. too, but if you want to be listed in our book, then it eventually became on our website. You can pay us a certain amount of money to be on our website, and then we'll promote you, um, you know, to the to the filmmakers and TV makers and things like that. So let's talk a little bit about scams. Let's talk a little bit about um, the ethical practices, you know, and, and you know, what what I don't think a lot of people understand is that scams are, are rampant in Los Angeles, but, but Los Angeles, I mean, people are regulated by laws in, in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. You know, they're, they're governed by what agents can or can't do and what, because it's the industry there, uh, what casting directors may or may not do, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, even so, I mean, there are, there are plenty of things that plenty of people willing to prey on people, and then and then we leave the area and we go outward, and uh, and many people may not be familiar with what standards and practices there are. Right. Um, there are plenty of workshops both here, you know, in in all over the country and in L.A. that say um, we'll cast you in a movie, and then come along and say, but first you need to take acting lessons. Right. <laughs> uh, so, so can you address some of these, and and what what should people know? Well, you know, about? I mean, this this is a subject that you know this is this is the whole passion that got the whole seminar thing going for us, and the workshops, and the casting factor. This is this was the reason behind it all, you know, <laughs> because it was so infuriating to see all the scams taking place, <clears throat> and to me, it's just it's so it's just so wrong on so many levels when you see so many people get taken because others are preying upon their dreams, their hopes, their desires, their passions, you know. And that's what we constantly say, you can't just have a dream or desire. You have to have the you have to go have that dream and desire it has to be number 1, it has to be first. But then you have to go get ed- the education, the knowledge and <clears throat> thank goodness for the internet because it's not like when you and I were first in the business Rex you know, that wasn't an, an, an available a source of information for us. You know, right. we had to learn the hard way. You know, we were right. in school of hard knocks, you know. So learn by others. Um, you know, I'd also preface that by saying, you know, um, there's always one nutcase, you know, that comes across any business that is going to, you know, complain and rant and rave and blog and make you sound like the most horrible person on the face of the earth. No one is safe from that one crazy person, you know. Right. Um, so you know, I you know I do ca- cautiously say do your research, but look at the overall picture. You know, if there's one person blogging and ranting and raving about how horrible and scammy a place is, you know, and take that for what it's worth. You know, um, listen to the hundreds of people who say this was a great experience. This is what I learned. This is what I do. You know, um, so that's number one. And we just kind of want to preface the whole conversation with that in itself. And like I said, this 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 conversation alone could be a full ten day ten hour seminar. Of course, know, of course. This conversation, you know, as you and I both well know. Um, but yeah, as far as scams go, you know, um, 
there are so many basic things you can do that will help protect you. And the number one rule to live by is never, ever, ever sit down and write a check to an agent to get signed. You never do it for a class, for photos, for headshots, for um, filming you, for any reason at any time. You never write a check to your agent, period. There's no ifs, ands, buts around that whatsoever. And, you know, I know that you know, it's, it's, it's a tough business for an agent, especially in the Midwest, you know, I think, because it's not like when you're in L.A. and finding gigs is like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel, you know. <laughs> and they might have, you know, 100 or 200 talent in their stables here, but if there's not a lot of gigs going on, their 10% isn't enough to sustain them. So they do have to be creative and come up with ways to, to earn more money to keep their business alive too, and that gets kind of tricky, you know. So there's a fine line there you have to watch, um, and you have to really weigh in what you think is reasonable and fair. Um, and fortunately, you know, we don't have the, the laws like you said in the Midwest, like they do in Los Angeles, and a lot of what you know so-called agents do in the Midwest, um, they would literally be in jail for in California. You know, sadly, um, that is very true. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. And, and there are agents in California that are in jail. <laughs> mm-hmm. There sure are. There sure are. Um, uh, a dear friend of mine, who's a very successful, well-known actor in Los Angeles, and um, he's you know part of the Academy and all that good stuff, and he helps with the Emmys every year and and so forth. Um, he had a bad experience with an agent um, who was taking more money than what was allowable you know, by union rules and made one phone call and within a week that agent's license was revoked, their franchise was revoked and they haven't worked since. You know, that doesn't happen here, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, it's you know, the talent, you know, in the Midwest kinda get lost, you know, in, in because there there isn't as much regulation and what regulation there is, they kinda say, eh, it's just the Midwest, it's fine, it's not enough to you know, they're not doing enough harm to rest to mess with it. We've got bigger fish to fry in New York and LA. So, you know, so we do kind of get lost, and therefore you really have to use common sense. You have to be educated. You have to arm yourself with information. That's That's got to be number one. Um, as far as what you can do to arm yourself, like I said, know that, that there's no agent on the face of this earth who can promise you work. That's And if they do, that's your first sign to tuck your tail and run. You know, um, that's a huge red flag. And... Um, so you got you have to really watch that. They cannot promise you work. I know there was one agent in St. Louis who their big thing was you pay us a hundred dollars and we promise you we'll get you something on your resume within six months. And then of course you had to pay money to their in-house photographer who was a horrible photographer on top of it all. Um, and right. you, had to, you know, and you weren't allowed to take those photos and get them printed at your will. Whenever you had an audition, you paid them to pick up more copies. So you were running to the agency, picking up your copies, giving them another check, so you could go to another audition. And um, most, more often than not, what was going on their resume was they, the agency was putting on their own little mini fashion show for family and friends, and they'd tell everybody, okay, wear your favorite white outfit and you know, or you wear your favorite blue jeans or whatever, and they and write something about it, and they would rent like a warehousey space, and they'd have like a little catwalk fashion show that lasted all of ten minutes. Now you have something on your resume, um. So that's you know, so you have to watch out for things like that. Um. So yeah, when someone promises you something, 
You know, that's just not a promise they can make. I can't promise as a casting director I can get someone a job because that's not what I do. I work directly for a producer, a director, an ad agency. They're the ones making the decision, not me. I can, you know, I can uh, I, I narrow down the pack a little bit. I'll, you know, weed out the choices that I know are absolutely not at all what they're looking for, so it's not wasting their time. But I can't promise you you're going to get the job. So, um, so if if someone does promise you, first of all, that's number one red flag is to a scam. Um, number two is if they ask for money, that's a big one too. Um, but you know, there are, there are things you can do, and you know, one of my favorite things to tell talent is if you're an actor, go in and play dumb. You know, when when you go in and you're interviewing a potential agent or a school, or whatever, go in and play dumb and say, I'm new to this, I don't know where to begin. How much does it cost to get started with you? And then when they start rattling it off and they think, oh, we've got a sucker here, then you know that's not an ethical place and you don't want to work with them. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. The very first place that I stopped when I was 18, you know, kind of, I, I went to a place, and it was a modeling place. It had acting and worship. And I walked in. They, they gave me a pitch, and I just gave them – I didn't give them money right then, but I gave mm-hmm. money another time. And, and pretty much they were a scam. Mm-hmm. But they they also they also delivered some things, but I mean nothing none of their promises ever came through. Right. And uh, and so I learned kind of the hard way. But I will I will I will admit that while the money meant a lot to me at the time, it wasn't as if I had given my entire savings. Although, mm-hmm. you know, if I had three hundred dollars to my name and I gave a hundred, it was it was a third. So I mean it was mm-hmm. it was significant. But I but I I learned the hard way. And it wasn't, and I, the reason why I say this, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like there were slimy people around. It wasn't like there were, you know, like I had entered a dark world. I mean, yeah. everything was was kind of like it might be it okay. It seemed legit, yeah. You know, but it it wasn't. And they had somebody teaching some modeling, and I learned a little bit, like here's how you remove your coat, and here's how you turn, and you know, and the acting workshop never got off the ground, and you know, mm-hmm. things just didn't materialize, and the money was gone, and you know that kind of. Mm-hmm. And uh, having said that, one of my other agents years later went to prison. <laughs> oh yeah. So, yeah, not because I made a phone call, but went to prison. Mm-hmm. Spent considerable amount of time in prison, but. Um, Right. But, well, uh, so, and, so I mean, we all we all can learn the hard way, mm-hmm. you know. And and the reason why you're 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 adamant about this and why we're doing this and why we're talking about it is because it's out there and it's not it's not like they have a door, uh, you know, a sign on their door that says, "Hi, I'm a scam." <laughs> right. Exactly. They don't. Scam artists are really good at hiding the fact that they're a scam. You know. Right. Um, and that's why they're successful at it. And right. you know, and isn't it just the same? I, you know, to me, you know, people need to remember a thief is a thief. Whether they stole from you because and and took ten dollars from you they shouldn't have taken, or they took a thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars, a thief right. is a thief. And to me, there's no differentiation. When you steal from somebody, you steal from somebody, plain and simple. Um, it's pretty cut and dry, and, and as far as I'm concerned, and I have a real low tolerance for it. And you know, so I mean, and that's what you know. When we started the casting factor, it was the same thing. You know, we the the way the whole thing started. I think we briefly talked about this. Our first interview, mm-hmm. Rex, was, you know, I had so many actors. We we would get phone calls on a daily basis of people saying, "Hey, I got a postcard in the mail," or you know, I my kid got a thing from school, or you know, we found out about this place, and you know, we, they wanted to come for an open call, and you know, they said, you know, they've got that we've got a lot, we've got a lot of potential, and. You know, they'd like to represent me, but I need classes. I need this. I need that. You know, and I talked to a friend. They said they, I should call you and ask your opinion. What do you think I should do? And I mean, I was getting these calls 
I you know I would say on average four and five phone calls a day where I was well, spending, you know, at least 20 minutes with each person talking to them. I'm like, that's a lot of time out of my work day. And then I was working good. late into the night to make up for that just because my heart was breaking for these people. And there was one family I talked with, they had spent over $20,000 on on classes and supposed workshops and trips out of town to meet casting directors and things like that. And it just, to me, it made me want to vomit, you know, but and I actually called um, the the authorities and said, you know, is there anything to be done about this? And they said, well, no. As long as someone is willing to pay a price, it doesn't make a difference what that price is. If they if they deem it's a fair price for the service they requested, then there's nothing we can do. You know, um, someone anyone can mark up their product as much as they want and sell whatever product they want, and there's nothing illegal about it. You know, and I was like, that was a rude awakening well, for me because yeah. I thought, wow, because my thought was, wow, this this place is really taking a lot of people. They took twenty thousand dollars from this family. This is this is criminal, but by law, it's not. Right. You know, ethically and and you know the the ethics and laws don't always match up. You know, <laughs> well, that's very true. <laughs> you know, they don't always go hand in hand. So, you know, you do have to really use your brain. And, you know, I think one of the smartest things you can do is talk to people and find out, you know, especially people you admire or people you know are successful in the business. Those are the people you want to talk to. Talk to the people, you know, go online and look up people. Look up casting directors who have a good resume and, and find out what they have to tell you, you know. Not the people who are in a position to take money from you. You know, look at the people who are in a position who don't really take money from you. You know, casting directors don't take money from talent. And that's another big one is if ever a casting director tells you you need to pay them money to audition, you know they're not a casting director. Casting directors do not take money from talent ever 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 period so there's just there's right. no getting around it you never ever pay for an audition it's that's it's such a huge conflict of interest because people often think oh well you know i need to send a present to the casters don't do any of that because that just that makes me uncomfortable first of all and honestly i think it really lessens to me how you are um, envisioning me as a professional, that you think I can be bought with some candy or flowers or whatever. You know, I you know I'm not that cheap. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I am gonna need a trip to the Bahamas. No, I'm just you what? I'm gonna need a trip to the Bahamas, but no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, um, but you know, so so don't cheapen what I do by thinking it can be bought by something like that. A simple gesture, like we talked about the last time, like a thank you note, is lovely. It's nice. It's professional. It's thoughtful, and it doesn't tell me you're trying to buy a part. You know. Um, which you can't buy from me anyway because I'm not the one able to sell them. That would be a director, you know. Um, but talk to the people who aren't in the position where they're they're not in the business of taking money from you. I get paid by job or by hour, you know, according to what my contract is by a producer. That's who writes my paycheck, and that's whose best interest I need to have at heart. So from if I was to take something from talent at any point in time, that would really muddy the waters as to who I'm being loyal to. So that's why it's really imperative that casting directors don't take money from talent 
in order to get auditions or to have the audition, things like that. So those are really good resources or good casting directors. And and as you mentioned yourself earlier, Rex, you know, it's it amazes me, you know, in this in the market, you know, you're you you were used to being sent to casting directors for casting sessions and when you come to the Midwest market, now it's it's um, you know, the talent agent saying we have a casting agent in house. First of all, there's no such thing as a casting agent. It's a non existent um job. Um you're a talent agent, you're a casting director. Um, there is no casting agent. And if you're in house and you're only seeing the people from that agency, you're representing them, therefore you're an agent. You're a talent agent. You're not a casting director because when you're in that room and you're auditioning your people, your objective is to get your people hired and make your people look good. So you're no it, longer it, you're not representing the producer at that point. So yeah, it, it's strange. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to catch. Go ahead. No, it's fine. You know, people. I I, I get frustrated too. There's so often producers or directors or um, you know photography students will say, "Well, you can go ahead and let agents submit. They can. I'll just call certain agents and let them do an in-house taping." But when you do that, you have to say, "Well, okay. Well, how do you know when that agent submitted their tape to you of their in-house folks of uh, just with that agency?" How do you know that it took them one take or 30 takes to get that two lines? How do you know um, if they spent you know, an hour um, doing their makeup? How do you know if they had to shoot them just from the you know, rib cage up because you know, they had something crazy wrong from the waist down that they didn't want mm-hmm. you to see? You know, those are the things that the casting directors need to weed out for the producers, for the directors. So when you get on set, no one's going to be frustrated, including the talent. Because if it took you 30 takes to get it at your audition, when you get on set and they hand you a new script, they say, oh, by the way, we have some changes, and they think you can do it in one take, and you can't, they're going to be upset with you. Right. They're not going to stop and say, you know what, let me call your agent and yell at them. They're going to yell at you on the set, and you're the face they're going to remember to never, ever hire again. That's an excellent point. You know, so you don't want to be in that position where your agent is selling something that doesn't really exist. Well, I, you know, I agree with you, and, and I think sadly, like in the in the market area where I am at, that is how most things are done. And I believe, mm-hmm. and I've never asked, but it would lead me to believe that what happens is is ad agencies will or a production company will call the agency and go, you know, put your put your put your actors on tape. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they call in the actors that they think will fit the part. They just put them on tape, and then they cast just right in house. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know well, if I've so ever. Well, so often, unfortunately, like the ad agencies, they think they're saving money by not spending money on a casting director, but in reality, it's costing them more money because what happens then right. is they're getting talent who may not be the best for the job, and now that that talent agency has them over a barrel because they know that all the selects for that job came from that agency, that ta- that one talent agency. So when the ad agency says, okay, we want these five people, then the talent agency says, okay, well, you're shooting in two days. You're you're up a creek if I don't provide my people. Guess what? The rate just went up. Okay, I suppose they could do that, yeah. And they do. And but that's, you know, and a good talent agent knows when to negotiate and when to, you know, push for more money for their talent. And in well, essence, you know, more money for themselves. So when they know that that 100% of the talent are coming from their agency, and or those are the first talent that are being looked at, they know they've got control over the situation, and that's the last thing a producer or an ad agency wants is for a talent agency to control the situation. Right. 
you know, and by having a casting director, that control goes away from agents and the ability to sell and push and negotiate and hold you over a barrel. And so it really puts you in a better position financially in the end. Well, there are interesting practices uh, here and elsewhere, but I mean, I, I know that a lot of times, you know, checks go through agencies um, as opposed to going to you. And, um, you know, I'm also a public speaker, so I, I book out, you know, at an hourly rate for banquets and dinners and things like that. And I've encountered agents who would say, well, what do you want? What do you want for that hour? You know, you want $1,000, you want $2,500, you want 5000 you want ten. What do you want? Mm-hmm. And if you tell them what I want, you know, if I say I want $2,500, I want $5,000, don't be surprised if someone comes up to you because I've, I've had this happen, and I don't, I, I won't book with those agents. But but someone will come up and say, so what am I? You'll say I want five thousand dollars for for you know this talk, and they'll come up and say, so what am I getting for my seventy five hundred bucks? Mm-hmm. And you go, you know, because the agent is selling the person for a whole lot more than the person thinks they're being sold at. Right. You know, because well, you said you wanted five grand, so if I can sell you for thirty grand, what what is it to you? You were happy with five, you know. And this, with the thing with the the talent in, in terms of acting, you know, uh, they'll say, well, we t- common practice. Outside of Hollywood, and I understand it is we'll take twenty percent because they can't survive on ten percent. Nobody's a, a signatory, so they take twenty percent. But you're never really sure that that you're being sold because you get a check. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they'll say, "Well, uh, that part is three hundred dollars, mm-hmm. you know, or seven hundred dollars, or whatever it might be," and then they take the twenty percent. And I go, "I don't know what they sold. I don't know what they sold me at or didn't sell me at. How how would I know if the check is coming?" being cut from the agency. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, we're talking about scans, but we have another whole chapter on the casting factor all about, you know, how to, to know if your agent's, you know, being honest with you. And that's another whole, you know, hour-long discussion itself too. But, sure. you know, in short, you know, just remember that you are the one hiring the agent, not the other way around. So you're in the position that when you sign that contract with that agent, make sure there's something in there, a full disclosure some way that you can require them to to show proof of what those rates actually were. You know, um, perhaps it was the contract from the um, producer to that, you know, to that agent. Or perhaps it was like in my case, when I do auditions, I always send out audition notices to all of the agents, and it clearly lists what the usage, the buyout, the pay rate on the shoot dates, all that information is listed in that. And as it is when we post something on breakdown services or actors access, and I cannot stress the importance of actors getting on breakdown services or actors access. I cannot stress that enough. That's one of the best friends in the industry that any talent can have. And Gary Marsh just does an absolute bang-up job with that. And he's another one who's very diligent and very passionate about not wanting talent to be taken and but to help them market themselves, you know, at a reasonable in a reasonable way, get a start without having to fork out a lot of money. Um, but when I post something on Breakdown Services, it, it there's a, a, a column for me to fill in what the pay rate is. So when you see something come up on Breakdown Services, it says what the pay rate is. And when you sign on to Actors Access, you have the same information available to you that talent agents have. So when I post something, an audition notice, for example, the breakdown services, your agent's getting it under breakdown services, you can see that same notice under actor's access. So you see exactly what I told the agent. It's the exact same notice. There's no differentiation whatsoever. So you have all the same information they had. 
Um, now, granted, there are some casting directors who don't post everything on Actors Access because they just don't want to get this deluge of, um, you know, all these independents calling them, and, you know, and that's when you, when you go back into what we talked about protocol, which that's another whole talk in itself. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but, you know, but, you know, and understanding that protocol and when not to push, be too pushy, but to be polite and respectful of the casting director's time and so forth. But, um, you know, it's, that's that's one way where you can really protect yourself is get on Actors Access. It's a free service. You can put two headshots, a resume, your profile, all on there for free. And what I always stress to talent is when you go online and you do that, there's a it, it, it takes a little while. You have to sit down and input all this information, but it is so worth it. Check the box that says you want instant email notification, and then you'll check like wherever it is you're willing to travel for auditions. You know, if you only want to be in the Midwest, click Midwest. If you say, I'm going to do Midwest, I also want to hit up a little bit further north in Chicago. Let me hit Chicago. You know what? I have family in Florida that I visit three or four times a year. Let me click on Florida because if there's an audition opportunity, heck, that's a great opportunity to go visit Grandma, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, click on the areas where you think you can get to quickly in a reasonable amount of time and where you're willing to travel to. And um, then whenever something comes open in one of those regions that you meet the description for, based on what you put into your own profile, you'll get an instant email in your inbox that says, hey, here's an audition. Um, This is the pay rate. This is the shoot date. This is what's going on. Do you want to submit yourself? And, you know, it's it's that simple. Um, So it's just such a lovely service. and And just by signing on and reading that, and being aware of what your um, agent is seeing, then you can then call your agent and say, hey, did you see this audition notice? I saw Kim Swanson in St. Louis has an audition notice. Did you see that? I think I'd be right for that. Did you already submit me? And that's a way to kind of let your agent know, too, that, hey, I'm staying on top of this. I want work. And I saw what the pay rate is, and I'm willing to work for that pay rate. It gives you a chance to have that conversation with your agent when, in which they might say, well, you know, I don't submit you for anything that's less than $1,000. You know, you can say, well, why not? And, you know, well, because I think you're worth it. And if I start submitting you for things that are $500 pay, then, you know, then everyone's going to think I can, they can get you for $500. And, you know, I'm working a deal, a long-term thing with a potential client who's going to pay you 1000 bucks a day, but it's going to be like two days every month for the next year, and I don't want them to think they can get you cheaper, you know. So that's part of their job is to negotiate those kinds of things for you, and you need to communicate with them so you know what's going on in their mind and in their world while they're working for you, but it also lets them know you're staying on top of the situation and you want work. Awesome. That is excellent, excellent advice. Um, so when it comes to, you said never write a check, so the the idea is well, agents can tell you that you need good headshots but shouldn't tell you where to go to get the headshots. In other words, for kickback. They shouldn't have an in-house photographer. They right. can tell you you need acting classes, but they shouldn't okay. be providing the acting classes. Right. Uh, it should be somebody else, uh, you know. Well, and, you know a- and and you know, good uh, good talent agents will be aware of different uh, opportunities maybe coming through your talent, like maybe a casting director coming in to do a workshop, or a, a very well respected actor that might, you know. So if you go to your agent, you might be able to say, "Hey, who do you know who gives really good acting classes?" Or the people who are booking a lot with this agency, can you tell me where they study? And yeah, that's a that's a really good way to find out who's good. But you know, call acting classes and say, "Hey, I'd like to sit in and see what 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 you do." You know, um, one of my, my dear friend Brian Cutler, I think I mentioned him before, has a wonderful wonderful acting school in Kansas City, and 
you know, he also taught in Los Angeles for many, many years before he moved to Kansas City. He's originally born, raised in L.A. He has a resume most actors would kill to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and one of the, the one of my favorite quotes he has, which he received from his mentor, was, you know, teaching acting without a camera is like te- trying to teach someone how to ride a horse without a horse, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is true. So, you know, when you have so these teachers who are like, oh, let's let's do these warm-up exercises, let's feel the moment, and, and you never see what you look like on camera. They don't play back, you know, uh, you know preferably every class. But, you know, um, at, the, at the very minimum, every a couple of weeks or something, you know, is what should be happening. Um, if that's not happening, then you know that this is not someone who understands the industry, you know. So that's, you know, there's plenty of scams with acting classes as well. Um, I know there's one in St. Louis that just makes my skin crawl of someone who has a, a, actually a, a pretty good-sized uh, following of acting students, and he was at a... Um, had a um, meeting for the St. Louis uh, for the Missouri Film Commission at one point. Had a meeting mid-state for people from all over the state to come and put their two cents in on how to make the film commission better and so forth. And he stood up and rattled off, oh, "Well, I was on this project and this project and this project and this project." And half the projects he said he was on as an actor were projects I cast. Oh wow! And I and he's never been to one of my auditions. The other half the projects he was rattling off were projects a friend of mine produced who was sitting next to me. He goes, that was my project. I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> and that's what he lists as his background and his reference. And, you know, and he, and he says he had a great background in Los Angeles. I was talking to a friend of mine in Los Angeles who's a casting director there, and I told her this person's name. And she goes, oh, my gosh, we ran him out of town. He was such a scam. Oh, wow. And, you know, but, yeah, in the Midwest, he's using these supposed credits, and people believe him. You know, and it's just, you know, it's hard. So, you know, you have to do your research, follow up and see, you know, are those credits real? And that's why, you know, there are there are some really wonderful um, places to go. Like, you know, for example, with casting, CSA, they verify our background. They verify our credits to make sure they're true. They call producers. They call directors. They call their casting directors that you claim you've worked with. And they make sure you actually did do this work. So they know you are the real deal, um, and that's that's a nice added bonus for you when you're looking at casting directors, and you know you want to send your resumes off to them, or when you know you want to take a workshop with a casting director, look and see if they're listed with CSA. You know that's that's a really good resource, and if you go onto the website for Casting Society of America, it will list the casting directors who are part of Casting Society of America. So that's a good resource to, to check and double check if someone's, you know. Now, of course, there are some really wonderful casting directors in New York or Los Angeles who are not part of that organization. Um, they were successful at, uh, in in their field of casting before CSA became the force it is now, so they never felt the need to um, join at that point. Many of them have since, but, um, you know, but that's, that is a good starting point to, to check somebody out, too. I was uh, recently casting for a film that I'm doing, and I was I was holding interviews and auditions, and, and a young man came in, and he handed me his resume, and I looked at it, and it was a teacher that I recognized, uh, a teacher in Los Angeles who typically has a waiting list to get into his class, who uh, you know consults with the A-list actors for parts and all this kind of stuff, and I'm like, and he had all these different classes with this guy, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm like, where'd you live? And he said you know, rattle off something that I wasn't sure I believed or not. And then uh, I said, well, okay, you know, and I'm going, got to be good. And he picked, he took his, his, his sides and he said, 
should I read the, this part here? The you know, and it was a description. It was a log lines and stuff. And I'm like, or the slug lines. And I'm like, no, no, no. Just just read where it says your character name. Right, right. I don't. I mean, he could not. To me, I mean, it's unfathomable that he's even been in a, a, a class or that he'd ever picked up a script before mm-hmm. to to ask that question, mm-hmm. you know, of someone. And and uh, and and his reading was not very good, and and he obviously he didn't get cast. And um, but uh, you know. Uh, the the thing that hurt him more than anything else was the fact that he had all these impressive credits and then couldn't deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have impressive credits in terms of film or television necessarily, but his, you know, he, he, it, it appeared as he was a well studied, you know, well trained actor, and uh, and he wasn't, and uh, that. You know, I would have even, you know, he had a look that I was like, well, I maybe use him as an extra or something. But I was like, you know, he just, he lied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he lied. He just, he just, he just fabricated this whole thing and and came in and and I'm in the Midwest, so I guess he suspects that you know it's far enough away, no one will know. Right. Isn't that amazing? But, uh, yeah. But so, it didn't serve him. Yep. It, it, and it didn't serve him any more than the guy that came in with attitude the same day that I was talking about in our last interview, where the guy came in all huffy, you know, because oh, his, yeah. his, his thing was delayed like five minutes and he had to wait. So I mean, you know, it's it's amazing. I mean, I know you get these things all the time, but it's it is it's amazing how actors shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, but let me ask you this then too, because we were talking about what you should the notion of. You know, uh, these at one time it was books. It was big, you know, like coffee table books of actors. And and in L.A. they actually had them, and you paid to get into them. Mm-hmm. Yes. The players' directory. Here too, yeah. You know, you you pay to get into the players' directory, but it's a legitimate source. It's in the mm-hmm. it's in the hands of the casting directors, in the hands of producers. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. but but then all these separate agencies and all these separate like uh, companies come up and say, well, you know, we'll list you on our website or we'll list you on our in our online, you know, service for actors and everything, and they charge. Like I had an agent tell me that, you know, for $150 I could list myself and each of my kids would be $150, put them on the website. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I have to pay $150 to get my kids on the website, if they're not on the website, are you working for my kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Are right. you working for me? I mean, in other words, I, you know, so I didn't do it. I mean, I'm not going to do it anyway, and I, I, you know, so I didn't do it. But then it, it really cast a dispersion for me, you know, uh, and them, you know. Of course. Of course it did. And you're exactly right with those websites, you know, and it, it was the same thing. I mean, the big thing for a while was these books and then it was posters, be on a poster, you know, as if, you know, as if they thought that a producer or an ad agency just would hang, hang this poster of your talent up in their office right. and then, you know, throw darts at it to pick who they wanted in their <laughs> commercial, you know. I mean, it's not how it worked, you know. But um, they did, I, you're right. I, and, and the one thing we forgot, there was a time when it was magazines. In other words, this magazine will be in the, the casting director uses these magazines and you could buy like a full page ad in the back or something. Do you remember right. those? Yeah. And then in other places you could buy like a business card sized picture but but ultimately, you know, for twenty five hundred dollars or whatever you could have the cover. Um yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean it's just it's crazy and you know, and and now it is it's about the websites, you know. Now you know, when when it comes to websites, you really have to weigh, you know, how good that is. I'm not a fan of children being on websites at all because once you put that out there, yeah. it's easy for someone to lift that image and do whatever they want. And, you know, there's no amount of money your kid can make that's worth that to me. Right, right. You know, right, um, right. as a casting director, I have to say, I have never, ever, ever gone and looked at a talent agent's website. 
um, because I find, number one, that half the time the headshots are outdated or it's someone who's not with that agency or they're not available anyway, and it just becomes a huge waste of my time. And like I mentioned earlier, I get paid hourly, so the last thing I'm going to do is waste my my producer's money, you know, right. sifting through an, uh, you know five and six and seven different um, uh, websites to try and find maybe one or two people available to audition. I'm not going to do it. So it's much more efficient for me to post something on Breakdown Services, let the agents say, okay, well, I think so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so is available. They're good for this. Let me submit them. And now let me look through those all on one site from all the agencies submitting to the same place so I can compare apples to apples, you know, everybody side by side. Everybody who wants to audition for this role, let me see your headshot. I can click on that headshot. I can see your resume. If you have a demo reel, if you have an actor slate, um, you know, any additional marketing materials on there, I can click through, I can see all that, and I can see do I really want to audition you. I don't have to stop and ask an agent, well, do you have other photos or do you have a photo that's this? Or, you know, um, I, I couldn't open up their resume. I couldn't see, do you have a demo reel? I can see all of that on Breakdown Services with one click. So it's so much more efficient than going sifting through multiple sites of agents. So and, and it's free to the talent, you know. So there's there's no reason to have to pay to be on those websites. Would you differentiate for the listeners uh, um, breakdown services versus actors access? Oh yeah, that's a good point. They're actually the same thing. Um, breakdown services is a. I, I will kind of simplify the the, the um, how it works here because Gary can Gary Marsh who owns it is t- tells a much better version of the story and, and I'm sure a little more accurate than how I I uh, and he it. has and he has been yeah. a guest and will be yeah. a guest again on, on movies. Oh good. So just in, in you know in short you know he started the service where uh, where casting directors would call into him this was years ago he'd type up like on mimeograph paper for those of you old enough to know what that is <laughs> right, the breakdown right. of the day of okay I have an, an audition I need a 30 to 35 year old Caucasian male to play the main you know the hero in this commercial I need a 45 to 55 year old Caucasian male to be secondary, I need a 30-year-old blonde female to be the waitress, you know, and I would call that into Gary, and he would type it up on his little mimeograph paper. At the end of the day, he would have all these different um, breakdowns had been called into him. He would sit and collate them, and they would literally, you know, throw them, you know, collated over the fences to the various talent agents and things. So when they woke up in the morning, there was the whole stack of all the breakdowns of things they could submit their talent to. And back then, they would then put together packages of headshots, resumes, and have them couriered over to the casting director to sift through. Um, and what happened, though, is he found out that. Um, less ethical people were getting a hold of that information and copying it and selling it on the black market to talent. And he was not happy with the idea that talent were paying for information and being taken like this. So he started Actors Access, which was the version where actors could get the same service for free. So there's no reason to pay for it on the black market. There's no reason to give a thief your money. So obviously it's all done via Internet now, but as a casting director, when I go on and I want to post that I have a breakdown, uh, I have a project coming on, I will click, yes, I want to go to Breakdown Express um, to to commercial agents, and yes, I, I can click Actors Access also. And I'll say, you know, I put my information in there. So then when I hit send, Breakdown Services sends it out to everybody that um, is all electronic, you know, who meet the descriptions of what I put in there, who are listed on Actors Access as well as all the agents who are listed commercially. 
So you get the exact same information at the exact same moment that the agents see it. Um, however, there are some casting directors. When you're talking bigger projects, like if I was casting, um, you know, a, a major, you know, episodic program, I'm not going to list my principal roles on breakdown services and actors access because I don't want to be flooded with thousands and thousands and thousands of submissions of actors who think, boy, this is my big shot. I want to be the star of this episodic show. I know I can do it. When I know I need, need name talent or I need talent with a pretty hefty resume, I can click on, the, I just want it to go just to the agents only and see what they submit first. And then if I'm not happy with what I'm getting, I think, you know what, I think there might be some independent talent out there I'm not finding. Let me resend this out as Actors Access. I can do that too. But for, for those in the Midwest, let's be honest, you know, 90% of the work you need is that ground floor work to build that resume. Right. You know, most of the talent in this market are not the talent who are ready for starring role in an episodic show. That's just not where the talent here are. You know, so and it may not, it's most likely what they don't desire or they wouldn't be in this market, you know. <laughs> so um, so that's when, you know, you say, okay, you know, I'm, I, since I'm starting at the ground level, if I click on Actors Access, I'm going to see a lot of the opportunities out there. And, you know, you can get yourself started. If you can't find a good ethical agent, that's a good way to circumvent not needing to go with an agent. You know, if all the agents in your area are unethical and they're all asking for money and they're all wanting you to take classes with them and, you know, you're just not having a good experience, you can go on to Actors Access. You can represent yourself and get your resume going on your own at first. I have got to say that, um, you know, I, I came up with Gary as a contemporary. We, I mean, we didn't know each other or anything like that. I mean, we mattered so. But, and uh, and uh, when the breakdown services was beginning and starting, and, and I was one of those who managed to get the breakdowns through uh, nefarious means, meaning that somebody else bought them. I, I just had access mm-hmm. to them because he was a friend. But we coveted those. I mean, I mean, what people don't understand the the difference in the amount of information that is now made accessible by the very same service from Gary Marsh is online. We coveted this because you would you, every Thursday or, and or Friday, if I remember right, the, the trades, the Variety would come out with production schedule for movies and or television on a particular day, and a reporter would come out. And every morning when we went to breakfast, we would pay our fifty cents or eventually a dollar to get you know the variety and reporter and look at what was what was going on in the industry in Los Angeles and then what might be cast and then sometimes mm-hmm. there were little tiny you know like ads and the thing casting for something but those were very rare and few and far between mm-hmm. the drama log got its start which was just a mimeographed if you go back to mimeograph talk mimeograph mm-hmm. piece of colored paper that listed auditions pr- pr- Prep, um, almost exclusively non-union auditions, mm-hmm. and it was just folded in half, and you paid, I think, 50 cents or 75 cents to pick this up somewhere. It all, it ultimately became a slicker, you know, mm-hmm. uh, saddle-stapled magazine with more listings. Right. But but the union listings and the, the and the legitimate, what we considered legitimate listings in, in those days, I mean, there was a huge difference between non-union and union uh, 30, 40 years ago mm-hmm. by comparison today. I mean, it, it, you know, when we talk nefarious and shady and all that, almost all non-union had this <laughs> this edge of you're going to get ripped off. No matter what it is, you're going to get ripped off. Now, I, today I think it's different, but, but, but the point being is that we coveted the uh, breakdowns, and and at that time, some of the big shows were listing. You know, I mean, they've gotten more savvy in what they can do, and the idea that you don't have to put out the the, the top talent names or the top top, top 
uh, uh, character slots, mm-hmm. you know, to the public unless you choose to. I mean, I remember seeing things in the, where they were casting the leads for, I mean, all the leads for, say, Taxi and all the leads for, you know, Rockford Files or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, when, when those things were coming out. Um, but, but the point I'm making is, I mean, this this was like, you know, finding a diamond, you know, somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. gold somewhere, if you could get your hands on it. And nowadays people can get it absolutely free. I mean, that yeah. is so... To me, it's mind-boggling, and I'm a, and I have actors access, and you know, I don't go there every day. I, you know, there's sometimes weeks go by, and I sit here, you know, and I go, oh my god, I got to get back to actors access. I got to mm-hmm. go back and look at it, you know, um, because it is truly a very valuable resource uh, for everyone, and um, and but it'll show you for the most part what what is going on, and there's lots of non-union right. stuff around the country, and there's lots of union stuff, and mm-hmm. and. Um, and, uh, well, and those are the kind of things we talk about. You know, more, I keep you know, referring back to the casting factor, but you know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we talk about. And so when you're, we talked, you know, kind of rounding back to when we were talking about scams and so forth. When agents make you feel that you know this information is so costly, and that's why you have to pay to be on these websites, right. and you pay, it's not true. You know, it's just not true. Um, and you know, and one of my other big pet peeves, I have to say, is. I know that in the Midwest there are a lot of agents who are supposedly union franchised who also charge union talent to be on a website, which is strictly forbidden in union rules. So, you know, I just want to put a shout out there to all of your union folks. If you are with an agency and they're charging you to be on their website and your union, you need to remind them that this is completely against union rules and they need to stop charging you for that service. They need to provide that service for free for you. And that's a union rule. Um, and, you know, and if, you know, I've, I've actually had a couple talents say, well, my agent said, oh, well, there's nothing you can do about it. And they complained to SAG after office about it. And SAG after office said, well, we can't really do anything either. I think that, you know, the union talent need to remind themselves that the union is to represent you, not the agents. It's a right. union of actors. It's not a union of talent agents. And so you you know band together and go to your union offices and say, we need you to stand up for this rule. There's no sense in having rules if you're not going to stand up for them, you know, um, and make sure that they're adhered to and that there are consequences to agents who don't, you know. So, I mean, you've got to stand up for yourself. That's all there is to it, and you've got to take control of your own career and quit blaming everybody else, quit depending on everybody else to do it, and just do it yourself, you know, like the old, the Nike ad, just do it, you know. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, let me let me switch a little bit, since we're talking in that direction, too, about union and non-union, union work versus non-union work, um, and getting those jobs and what it means and, and how it differs, because, it, like I said, at one time, you know, when, I mean, we died to get into the union, you know, as young mm-hmm. people. And a uh, much different day when I joined. It was three hundred dollars, and um, SAG was my parent union, and I was so happy to be, you know, in the union. I'd done tons of non-union before that, and not all of it was bad, but a lot of times it was less than glorious. That you know, once you got on the union set, there were all these rules that everybody had to adhere to, and you were treated somewhat differently, and in most cases, much much better than on a non-union shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but today. Um, I don't think that 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 you know the I, what am I trying to say that that image of non-union shoot is not it's like bowling alleys at one time had a very dark kind of you know a bunch of old guys smoking cigars and drinking beers you know in the bowling alley and, and the bowling alley the bowling industry did everything they could to 
familyize it, you know, to make it a family-friendly place. So mm-hmm. instead of calling it a bully alley, it's bully center. Instead of calling it a gutter, it's a channel. I mean, they they, they literally went through and revised the language, mm-hmm. you know, of of bullying to make it more family-friendly and to update its image. And I think non-union has changed a lot in the same way for the positive. But there's upsides and downsides. Can we talk about some of those? Well, and I honestly think, you know, non-union has the union to thank for the ups of it now. You know, yes. it, it it brought the whole industry up. And at the same time, the union has the non-union workers to thank for having a better talent pool that are more well-trained and more experienced to bring into their fold. It it really is a symbiotic relationship, and I think people forget that. Um, you know, when I Taft-Hartley, for, for people who don't know what Taft-Hartleying is, is when you're on a union job and you're a non-union actor, we complete a form called the Taft-Hartley form, and it goes back to the Taft-Hartley Act. You can look that up because it's another whole, again, that's another whole thing we talk about. <laughs> it's a, it's another whole um, uh, issue in itself and another whole subject. You know, we, we go into the casting factor too, but um, uh, I have to fill out a form saying, you know, I have this non-union person on set. I realize they're non-union and it's a union set, and here is why I hired them and chose them above and beyond the union talent available. And I have to give a good reason for that, and then I have to send it in with a professional headshot and your acting resume. And if I don't, if I submit someone who hasn't met a minimum standard of professionalism, I can be fined, and the fine I get is not minor. It's a big fine. So I can't just pull people off the street and say, gosh, you know, you want to be in the union? Come on over and let's do this union job. And you don't just join the union. You have to have done so many union jobs to get your vouchers to be asked to join the union. So it kind of becomes a catch-22, which comes first, the chicken or the egg. You know, do I, how do I get on a union job if, you know, if I'm not union? And how do I, you know, how do I get this um, union um, card if I can't get on a union job? And the answer to that is you have to have a good resume of non-union work. You know, you have to have proven yourself in the non-union world first. So, um, you know, get that body of work and get a reel going. You know, have something so that when I have an opportunity for you to come in and audition for a union job, I can legitimately say this person is qualified to be considered right in there with the union folks. So. So that's, you know, an A number one um, that I think people forget. And I think, you know, so often you people think, oh, non-union is terrible, it's awful that they're taking all this union work away, you know. The non-union people will say, oh, gosh, the union's so terrible because they just, you know, they want so much money from you and they're doing this. But, you know, they, it really is a symbiotic relationship. And, you know, it's like, why can't we all just get along, you know. <laughs> but um, but it's so true. So, um, you know, we talk about union versus non-union. And, yeah, it has changed greatly. And, you know, when you're deciding whether you want to be a part of the union, not be a part of the union, that's an individual decision that no one should be making for you. No one should talk you out of being the union. No one should talk you into doing the union. It depends on your market, where you are, what kind of work you want to get, and how serious you are about this as a career. You know, the union isn't really designed to be a, a, a hobby for anybody. The union is designed for people who say, I need good work standards, work rules, you know, work um, locations, you know, safety. It's all about work, 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 work. And that's why there is a union. So it's not so you can go play. So if this is something you're doing on the side because you want to do some things here and there and you think it's fun, the union's probably not the place for you. Um, however, if you are the person who says, you know, my goal is to, to be the star of that next ap- episodic program, then you need to get in the union and you need to work towards that goal. 
Well, there was a, I think there's been over the years, um, and this is probably as political as political as political as I will get on the topic, at least on air today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I loved SAG and AFTRA. They looked out for me when mm-hmm. I was a young actor. That was that was great. But they don't get you work, but they do look out right. for you. I've always tried to tell people, they're not going to get you a job, but if you've got a job and there's problems, they're in your corner. Right. Now, the difference, I think, though, is that over the years, because there have been changes with all the contracts and the, and the merger you know, SAG and Screen Actors Guild, Screen Extras Guild, you know, did their thing and merged, and so suddenly you had SAG actors who were extras and extras who became SAG actors, and there's been this, since uh, since I was a young person, there's been the talk of merging. Well, they finally did it, and prior to, you know, merging, after which at one time was a closed agency, became an open agency, and then became closed again, but I guess if, if that's right. But you could have walked into AFTRA and, and joined and then become SAG when you when SAG and AFTRA merged. Right. I, that's no longer the case. But but and so, you know, an agent friend of mine said, you know, sign your kids up right away. And I thought about that for a second. I thought, well, you know, for like about $3,500, I could get both my kids into the union. And then when they become SAG, they'd be SAG. And then I, I thought about it again. And I went, well, that assumes that they want to someday be SAG. Mm-hmm. That they would pursue this, and because I, I thought, well, it'll just be in their back pocket. But it also put them out of the commission then for working non-union. So, in other words, it 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 wouldn't get them a job, but yes, maybe someday they could utilize it. In the meantime, they'll pay dues the rest of their life. And it, I just I just went, well, you know, I, I can't. I'm not going to do it. And let them, if they decide uh, to pursue this on their own, at some point, then they can. Um, mm-hmm. You know, then they can do it like everybody else has to do it. Right, right. So uh, I guess the point I'm making is, is, is I think, that, and, and and that was a, a, a kind of tangent. The point is that the union SAG was particularly has been watered down for a while. It'll be interesting to see what happens now that there's no other union to compete with. Right. For the same yeah. market share, you know. I mean, there were times when you know I didn't, I haven't got residuals off of something, and they they wouldn't go after the producers because whatever, you know. I mean, I know what their mm-hmm. reasoning was, but but you know what I'm saying. Now it is interesting to see if if they really truly are a stronger union for for everyone. Right, right. I agree. I agree. It'll be, it'll, it's going to be curious to see. It's going to take a while to see. You know what's going to be good about it, and what needs to be fixed about it. I mean, there is no perfect world, and I think that's important to remember too. It's not your saving grace, like you said. They're not there to get you work; they are there to protect you. um, But they're not there to go out searching for work for you. They're not an agency, and they're not a marketing tool. However, um, they do a pretty good job of marketing with iActor and, like, as you mentioned, the Academy Players Directory and things like that that you have to be in the union to be a part of. Um, and th- those things are helpful. Any way you can market yourself in a good way that's a reasonable amount of money to spend, I, you know, I'm all for that. Um, and, you know, when you're in a target market, like, for example, if, if I'm doing an episodic show or if I am – um, doing a major motion picture, you know, and I know I can find what I need in the union talent pool and it's a union shoot, I'm going to go oftentimes directly to that talent pool. So I'll look on breakdown services saying I need union people. I will also, you know, pos- possibly look at the union directory. 
Um, but I'm not going to go to, you know, 25 other sources to find what I need because I can find everything I need with those sources. So, um, you know, and, and again, it's all about efficiency and when it comes to casting and doing it quickly, efficiently, and for not, you know, I'm not going to run up a bill for my client because they're not going to want to reuse me, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, I mean, it, it will be interesting to see that all play out. And I know, you know, once those contracts come up for negotiation again and, and they – you know, do their contract together. It won't be two separate things. It won't be so confusing. Right now it's kind of in that honeymoon phase, but not a whole heck of a lot has changed yet because, you know, we're still doing two separate Taft-Hartley forms, two separate sign-in forms, two separate, you know, everything is still done. So the rates are different for each, you know. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens um, once that all comes together, now that they voted on it, and you actually see it take place, you know. Absolutely. So the the interesting aspect of being union, I think, um, is that I mean, when you let me ask you this, I mean, to dispel any any myth, any rumor, does is somebody sends in their headshot that says SAG and after on it versus somebody who sends in a headshot that's uh, obviously non-union or they don't represent it or it's not on their resume, um, does it make a difference when you're looking through photos and resumes to you? It does. If it's a union job or a non-union job, if if I'm casting a non-union job and you send me photos and headshots that say you know your resume says SAG after on it, I'm going to push you aside and think, oh my gosh, they didn't mean to submit for this. They're union. They don't belong in this shoot. Um, at the same time, you know, if it's a union job, I want to make sure that the folks being sent to me are currently union affiliated because I need to be able to honestly tell SAG or AFTRA when I held my auditions, that I searched out and requested and auditioned union people before I would even consider looking at non-union, that I have to make sure that I have accommodated those union folks first. And that's a union rule, and it's also professional courtesy, and it's, you know, it's, you've got to play by the rules. So, so, yeah, so that is extremely important. And, of course, then the FICOR issue becomes another whole discussion in itself, and we talk about that too, but... Um, uh, and a lot of folks don't even know what FICOR is, um, and that's something you need to get familiar with if you're union or non-union, just so you understand what that is. Um, but in short, um, FICOR stands for Financial Core, which the idea behind that is is that no union has the legal right to supersede federal law. And federal law means that they cannot keep you from accepting work. So if you're in a market where there's absolutely like no union work going on, it's just not happening, but there's a lot of great non-union work happening and you need to feed your family, you can file financial core with the union and basically you you know, send them a letter, you send something in writing saying, you know, I'm not getting enough work in union, therefore I'm going to have to accept non-union work unless you can offer me work for the same or higher pay on the same day with the same or better work conditions. So that allows you to accept non-union work. However, the union then tells you you're, de- you're technically a dues-paying non-member. You lose your right to vote. Um, you're not thought of highly by the union. Obviously, they see you as a scab, crossing the line, that kind of thing. So it's not always a good thing, but you know, depending on your situation, that might be something you need to be familiar with um, to know what the ins and outs of that are. Um, obviously, the one of the big negatives for union is they lose their power. If all of their union folks said, I'm going to work non-union too, then there's no reason 
for an empo- a potential employer to hire all union people when they can get the same people cheaper. Because when, as you know, as someone who's produced and directed, when you hire union, a, a big chunk of what you pay out to the talent is not the pay rate they see in their pay in their pocket. It's, right. it's the additional costs that are associated with going union. So, you know, if, if an employer can not deal with that and not have to pay that and save that money and get the same talent, they're going to do it, you know. So um, so you have to really walk that fine line, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough place to go. And I'm not saying I'm pro-FICOR. I'm not saying I'm anti-FICOR. I'm just saying you right. need to know what these terms are. You need to know what they mean to you, and you need to decide for yourself and your living situation what it is you need to do for you. Well, if there are some rumors of some fairly big actors who have either threatened or have gone FICOR, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a protest to the union. Again, I mean, I I enjoy what the union offers actors in terms of the protections and the benefits of of, of working. The idea behind, you know, I, I enjoy all unions for the fact that they uh, created a, a five-day work week for us. You know, they they set you know hours and standards and things like that. Not you know, all of them are different, but mm-hmm. but but. Uh, you know, and that doesn't happen on, on, on non-union stuff. But then the question becomes, too, with non-union, is some of these are non-union that are fairly well-funded, mm-hmm. um, and then there's non-union that is a labor of love kind of project where everyone's banding mm-hmm. together and they're working long, hard hours and they're sacrificing mm-hmm. all sorts of things because they want to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a team effort versus, you know, I'm being hired by a uh, particular company that's a very large multi-million dollar company who's got TV shows all over you know everything but they're not they're not willing to go union. Mhm. You know it's 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 with non-union it's really all over the board as to why people shoot non-union. There are just you know certain employers who are just anti-union. Right, right. And you know we've had non-union jobs come through that actually pay more than what it would cost them to shoot union because they're so anti-union themselves or they don't see the benefit to the actors, or they know that they're going to get more options by going non-union than they will within the union talent pool within a certain region. Um, you know, regions like you know St. Louis, for example, the union talent pool is much larger than, I mean, much smaller than the, than the non-union pool. You know, uh-huh. so sometimes they say, "Gosh, I'm going to need a lot of people for this," um, I, and they'll look through the union directory of folks available in St. Louis. And they're going to look at it and say, "Well, I'm not going to find what I need here that's union." So I need to go non-union, you know. Um, right. Sometimes it's something as simple as, you know, um, I, we, we've had situations in St. Louis where, um, you know, there are actors who have had their Taft-Hartleys, and now they're what's considered a must-join, which means if they do another union job, they have to pay the joining fee first. They can't walk on set until they've actually done the paperwork and given their $1,500 or whatever that may be. Um, I think it's 1100 Well, of course, I'm sure it's changed now, but it was like 1100 for after and 1500 for SAG or something at the time, I believe. And don't quote me on that, anybody, because I could be way off on that. Um, you need to call the union office and ask them the rates. But, um, you know, uh, at the same time, though, you know, there will be people who say, you know what, I'm not going to do another union job unless it's a national job or something because it's going to cost me more to join than what I would make on the job. Right. So they know that there will be a, if they have a, they need a lot of bodies or a lot of people who are currently non-union there'll be and there'll be a lot of non-union people not willing to audition for it 
because they're it, because of that reason they're not going to make enough money to join the union and it's going to knock them out of all the non-union work that they're getting consistently. So a lot of people will purposefully not join the union. They'll just hold on to those vouchers, hold on to them, hold on to them, hold on to them until the perfect thing comes along. So um, so that's another issue that comes into play. You know, there's just so many different things that are taken into consideration, whether to shoot union or non-union. And one of the fallacies is people think that the casting director often decides, and I rarely get a say-so or input on that. That's something that's decided long before I'm hired. Um, and oftentimes it's decided based on who the ad agency is. Either the ad agency is a signatory, which means they do everything union, or they're not a signatory, which means they do everything non-union. So it depends on who hires me um, as to whether it goes union or non-union. You know, it's it's not it's not something that's up for you know negotiation for me. So I don't get to have that input and say, you know, I really think you should go union on this. I really think you should go non-union. Every once in a blue moon, I can probably count on one hand the number of times I'm asked that question in a year. You know, we'll do 60 to 200 projects in a year, and I can tell you four or five times I get asked, should I go union or non-union on this? You know, so that's a very small percentage. Well, that's awesome. Um, Do you have any um, feeling, I mean, you were talking about the, the market in general, but do you have any feeling about, uh, um, the availability of work just in general nationwide uh, union versus non-union for people. You think? Is, 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 do you see the? Uh, I mean, I look at uh, Actors Access and I see it really, um, you know, blooming with not or or, or really uh, there's a high percentage of non-union jobs. Well, I think there's a reason for that. Number one is I think that. This market, there's more non-union um, than there would be in New York or L.A., and in part because there's a lot more union talent available in New York and L.A. to choose from. So um, I think, it, you know, it's like, which, what do you do first? Do you try and build the union talent pool so it brings more work, or do you need to bring more work so you can build the union talent pool? It's, it's a tough place for the union offices to be in to try and, and you know, uh, lure more people to want to do union shoots. Um but so that's I think that's part of I think it kind of depends on where you are as to what the ratio of union versus non-union is. I also think on actors access um, is going to be one where uh, there's going to be a lot of non-union postings because that's when we're looking for fresh faces, new people. Um, we're willing to see people who don't have big resumes, so therefore that's more often than not going to be non-union. I mean, once you're in the union, you have to have a resume first to get into the union. So if it's an entry level, lower paying gig, it's going to be non union, you know, because we know we can't afford to pay that union rate, you know, um, we can't we can't afford the experienced person. So I think that's a lot of what you'll see on Actors Access as far as you know you see more and more non union work. Um, I also think that a lot of it has to do with um, just you know the the general idea of you know, how, how work's going in the United States in general, the recession, people are wanting to save money. And if you can save money by going non-union versus union and get your advertising going again, you're going to do it, you know. Um, they're they're trying to cut back and not spend as much money, and, you know, where's a quick place to cut it? Well, here you go. So I think that has a lot to do with it, too. Awesome. Well, we have literally about, let's see here, Four minutes left, and I would like you to be able to have the last four minutes to add to or discuss anything that you would like to uh, 
to add. I know sometime in the future we'll have you back, I think, but we've talked now and you're you're going to be busy, so we'll have you back another time when it's convenient for you. But for but for now, we're going to say so long in about four minutes. So what? how would you like to wrap up um, all the valuable, valuable information you provided for well, our listeners? Not to sound like a broken record here or a sales pushy salesperson that's not – um, you know, so much of what we've talked about in all three interviews, Rex, is all, you know, all things I wish we could go on and on and on and on about because there's just so much more to talk about with that, and that's why we did the casting factor, and that's why we made it so affordable so people don't get burned, like on these scams we were talking about today, to save you money. I mean, you know, I, I hear people, like I said, spending thousands of dollars or even, you know, a couple hundred on just being on a website, and they didn't know that they shouldn't be being charged for that, you know. So, you know, Educate, 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 learn, 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 learn. Never feel stupid for asking questions. Never feel like, you know, I don't care where you are in your career. I think one of the saddest things I often see actors who they're in the union, they're working, they're doing well, and they think, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting a gig. I guess, I guess work is just really slow right now. That's why I'm not working. You know, my agent's just not getting anything. That's, you know, it's just bad everywhere. And that's not a reasonable reason, you know. You need to, to say, let me beef up my career. What's changed in the last five years? What do I need to know about? What do I need to refresh my brain about? What am I forgetting that I'm not doing anymore because I started taking this work for granted? And you need to just really you know, refresh. And, and think of it every day as the first day that you decided you wanted to be an actor. And you know, last but not least, I, just, I cannot stress enough, don't give up on your dreams. Just, there's no reason for a dream to be in your heart unless it's intended for you to fulfill it. So find the way to make that work for you. That is fantastic, and it truly has been a pleasure listening to you uh, both these three times and, and for future times as well. I look forward to those. But but it has really been uh, great for you to share all this really, really crucial information with people and, and to make it available. And I encourage people to go to castingbykim.com, uh, your your website, again, castingbykim, and the Casting Factor. Dot com. Also, you have a Facebook page for the Casting Factor that people should know about. Yes, and definitely the, go on there and like that page. And you know, we'll post things like, like you know, for example, and that's that's a newer page. So there's not a whole heck of a lot on there at this point, but we'll be adding more and more helpful tips and hints on there, and things like when we like this radio interview is posted on there. Um, I did a, a talk for uh, SAG, which was webcast worldwide, um, and you know, so we posted that on there. You know, those kinds of things. So, you know, you can you you'll have access to more information, more learning opportunities by liking that page. So I highly encourage you to do that. And you know, and that's just another opportunity to get yourself out there and learn, learn, learn. And with every lesson you learn, it's one less lesson you have to learn in the future and one step forward you can make in your career. So, you know, do what you have to do. And I encourage you to go uh to the casting factor and the casting by Kim and let her know how much you appreciate it. Today, she's got a very big job she has to get back to, but she's spent all this time with us uh, sharing this information. So I thank you, Kim, so very, very much. Well, thanks for having me, Rex, and I wish your listeners all the best in their acting pursuits or film production pursuits, whether they're an actor or someone behind the camera. Um, you know, it's it's a wonderful job to be passionate about, so just, you know, keep trudging forward. Well, you've kept me so enthralled that I went. I, I blew right through our commercial break, so I'm going to have to do it at the end of the okay, show. Okay, <laughs> you go ahead and do that then. Okay. All right, you have a great day, and we'll talk to you later. Thank okay, you. Thanks, Rex. Right, bye-bye. bye-bye. 
Again, that was uh, Kim Swanson, castingbykim.com and thecastingfactor.com. Absolutely fascinating, and, and boy, she gave a lot of value to all of us, um, and I appreciate that. You're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official web address is rexsikes.com, where you can listen live or archived to all of over 300 hours of professional filmmakers sharing their expertise with you so that you can further advance your career and or make and complete your projects and take them to market. So all we ask in return is that you leave comments uh, at the player, that you rate and review the podcast, and that you invite other people to listen with you live or archived. Spread these URLs, uh, these interviews far and near uh, to all your friends. Post them on Facebook. Tweet about them. Use your favorite social means. Email people. Phone them. Call them. Tell them in person. You're sitting in a coffee shop in Los Angeles. You know, you're surrounded by writers and actors and directors and hopefuls and wannabes and top-of-the-line stars and blah, blah, blah. Reach over and tell them, hey, check out Rexite's Movie Beat. Uh, if they're not familiar with it, you just turn on uh, someone who may be uh, a guest in the future or someone who may be, uh, benefit greatly by the information that we share. All right, so uh, my upcoming guests, just a few of them, will be uh, Jason Brubaker, producer and author. He's coming up uh, next. Stay tuned for that information. Peter Marshall will be returning uh, in the director series. Uh, uh, Rex Piano is going to be another one of the guests that's coming back, and there'll be others as well, so you stay tuned and uh, enjoy that. Uh, the official web address, I think I just said it, is rexsikes.com. That's Rex Sykes. We also have Rex Sykes Movie Beat on YouTube. There's videos up there. There's short, brief interviews that you want to take a look at, and uh, that's Rex Sykes Movie Beat on YouTube. There's also Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends page on Facebook. Go ahead and like that page. It's Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook. If you're a Wisconsin listener, there's a Wisconsin film job. Keep Wisconsin film friendly page on Facebook, and you can join that as well. We really want that just for the Wisconsin area uh, listeners to be part of so that they can help uh, get things going and create things in their own state. Uh, so that's Wisconsin Film Jobs. Uh, keep Wisconsin film friendly. I'm directing a short film called uh, Serum, and Serum the Movie is uh, you can follow at Facebook. I'm sorry, you can follow it at Twitter. Serum the Movie. It's S-E-R-U-M, like Truth Serum. Serum, S-E-R-U-M, the Movie on Facebook. We would really like it if you follow us there. As well as we have a friends page on Facebook. Please go there and check us out. There's pictures, there's videos, there's more forthcoming information. Uh, there's a little tracking of, of where we are in the production. We start shooting uh, in the coming, in the beginning of June. And uh, so we'll uh, debrief as we go along and blog as we go along, hopefully. Uh, so pay attention to that. Serum of the Movie, Friends page at Facebook, Rex Sykes Movie Meet, Friends at Facebook, and uh, Wisconsin Film Jobs, Keep Wisconsin Film Friendly at Facebook, and Rex Sykes Movie BT is on Twitter. You can follow me at Rex Sykes Movie BT, that last word is abbreviated, on Twitter. You know, you guys have been great, and I always appreciate the uh, the calls, the letters, the emails, the in-person people come up and, and provide feedback, or they suggest guests, or or uh, they tell me about what's going on. I want you to know that our website is under development. It is literally being, you know, uh, developed somewhere else, so we're trying to move the content over and hopefully launch that sometime soon in June and be a brand new website. I'm not sure how far along the the developer is in, in making all of that happen, but hopefully we'll have the new one up for you soon. And um, I sure do appreciate your support and uh, your friendship 
And the love that you give, I really love it when you tweet and you leave comments, and so please do. Um, that means a lot. It really, truly does. Because you're supporting my guests. You're supporting the efforts of people to make this information available to others and to make it available at absolutely no cost to you. And so um, we want you to know about that. If you go to RegSykes.com, go to Hot News, go to Hot News at RegSykes.com, and check out the information about an upcoming workshop in the Milwaukee area, June 23rd and 24th, and uh, and then let us know about that. That's all I'm going to say about that for now, but uh, go check that out. And uh, and meanwhile, have a great day and a fabulous week. And uh, as I typically say at the end of the show, keep in mind that we've got great upcoming guests in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned. And please keep sharing this website and these interviews with all your friends and contacts. Again, I want to thank my fascinating guest, Kim Swanson, casting director, for being here uh, this time as well as the other previous times. All right, everybody, have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects. Until we meet the next time, that's a wrap.